Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. So, yeah, I can see you guys looking and it's like, this is dangerous. Because I might as well just give you the Bible, you can do this and find out that God is love, right? Because that's what this is about. This book is all about love. And, and, and this evening, I just want to hit home a few points, which I trust is going to really settle in your hearts more than anything else, that God is love. So before I even start, I just want to introduce myself. Um, uh, Fee did an amazing job, but my name is Wayne. Um, I am the youngest of 11 children. All right. Yes, uh, you know... <laughs> You know what they say, if, if, if it was with, with dogs, you have to sort of fight your way through to the... Yeah. Okay, ladies, please. I, it is the, the nipple, isn't it? So you, you fight, but I didn't have to. My mom was amazing, right? Um, she fed me. But there's this one disadvantage of being the youngest. <laughs> okay. It's good, Wayne. All right, okay. Let me start over. There's this one disadvantage of being the youngest is that you get fed last. And every time I would be at the table first, but I would eat last. And I grew up with this little insecurity um, up until the age of about 18, 19 years old. And, I all, and, and then I realized, hey, now I can speak. You know, I can ask these questions. And I asked my mom, um, mom, why, why did I always eat last? Is it because I was the youngest? And my mom said before she even dished up, she kept the best for me. So it was, it was something so amazing. It was like a settling moment, you know, there's closure to this whole thing. So, so it, it was okay. And today I'm standing here, well fed, because my mom made me choose a good wife. Because of what she planted inside of me, I knew what it is I was looking for. And I found an amazing wife. My wife's name is Genevieve. We've been married for uh, eight years. <laughs> Eight years, I've got that right. Okay, so this evening, on the series of God is Love, I'm not going to ask any of you to love God. Uh, Really, this is not what this is about. This is more about who God is, more than anything else. Because if we're going to settle on our feelings this evening, then we're going to have one of those charts that looks like this. The one day in love, the next day not in love, the one day in love. But if we settle on God, it is agape love. There's only one love that he gives us. It's agape love. We want to settle on that this evening. Are you guys okay with that? Awesome. All right. I'm going to start off with um, an amazing chapter in the Bible. I'm going to read 1 John 4, 7 to 11. Okay, um, if you guys have got your Bibles here, you can open that up. Um, and for those who don't know who John is, John was an apostle of Jesus Christ, an amazing man. Um, he claimed to be the apostle whom Jesus loved. So, so you know when you have that, that whole claim that I am that one that Jesus loved. Um, there's some surety that you have. I don't know if you guys have seen the imperial ad. Um, I used, used to watch this imperial ad, and this guy goes in, and he gets this amazing service from this beautiful woman. Oh, let me just move this way. Sorry, that's 
he gets this amazing service from this amazing woman, and she, she's got this smile on her face. And every time she serves him, it's, it's like he, they're in love all over again. She gets the service. It's beautiful. And then he goes out and he comes back and he thinks, I need to go and rent another car. I need to go back to this place. Imperial is amazing. So he goes back, sees this girl, and again, there's just this amazing service that, that, she, that he receives from this woman. And then while he's waiting, there's another guy coming in for his car. Yeah, I think I'm going to just... Is that okay? Maybe I need to be closer. Sorry, guys. Sorry about this. All right. Oh, jeez. Okay, there we go. So, so where was I? Have you guys been listening? Okay. All right, so this... And, and this guy, the next guy comes in while he's waiting um, uh, on this lady to, f- to finish over the service. And he, com- and he comes in and, and he sees this woman giving him <laughs> amazing service as well. It's like, oh, no, I feel cheated. You know, I thought it was me whom this woman really loved. This was, there was this thing happening between the two of us. But then he realizes, man, that was just who Imperial is. That's the service they give. They just love people. They love serving people. And the Apostle, of John, the Apostle John, um, he, he sort of sees this as he is that special one. You know, when he's with Jesus, the one who laid his head on Jesus' bosom, he thinks he's this amazing apostle whom Jesus loved. He had this special relationship with Jesus. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to call myself his beloved. I'm going to call myself that. And you think, geez, you know, this guy must be conceited. He must really be conceited. So 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How amazing is that? This is a man who was vengeful. And when I say vengeful, they came into the town of Samaria and he didn't like the hospitality. The people weren't very hospitable towards him. And then he asked, Jesus to rain fire on them. Can you believe it? I mean, imagine me meeting Apostle John and I don't like him. I mean, the danger that I'm in when he can say, Lord, just rain fire on these people. He was selfish. He thought he was the only disciple. And when um, people uh, were healing, they were healing in the name of Jesus. He said, how could they do this? How could they do this? Isn't this for us a selfish nature? Someone else is healing in the name of Jesus, and Jesus rebukes him for it. Because Jesus says to him that if they are healing in my name, it is okay. They are for me. And then the other characteristic is he was ambitious. Now, just think about this for a second. He's with his mom, and then he goes to his mom and says, why don't you ask Jesus uh, if it's okay if my brother and I could, you know, get the seat next to him in heaven. And that's how ambitious he was. He was pursuing God all the time. And that is amazing. If you think of a man who's fiery, vengeful, ambitious, and then he starts it with 1 John 4, 7, 11, he says, Beloved, what has changed? What has changed? 
See, the cross is amazing when it comes into the center of our lives. It is amazing when it comes and it says, you cannot beat this because it's going to save you. It's going to change you. It's going to redeem you and restore. And that's the beautiful thing about the cross. But I I don't want to start with the cross this evening because you know what it is. We start in the gospel and people don't get to know it. If I say John 3.16 and people start thinking, yeah, 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 I've heard it all before. John 3.16, there we go again. You know, these guys on a mission, they're always throwing John 3.16. I've heard it all before. But we have to start in the beginning to understand that love didn't start when Christ came down to earth when he was sent for the propitiation of our sin. Love started in the beginning. You see, you weren't made because God felt lonely. I mean, Gabe spoke about that this morning. Before anything existed, Love existed between God, and and that love was between the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was perfect, and it was pure. And that is how love existed. And when God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, it was because of love. Love created you, and it's love that is fighting the battles for you. So when God says, let us make man in our own image, there is an image that he planted in you, and that image is love. Sorry, I need to walk far. (laughs) Just excuse me for a second. 1 Corinthians 13, and and it's such a famous, well-known scripture in the Bible, Um, so much so that I don't read it anymore. I don't know why. But during this time, when I was going through the scripture, I realized there's something so amazing that is in 1 Corinthians 13. And I just want to pick, pick that up with you guys as I read it. If I speak in, tongue, in, in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Have you ever heard a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? It is, oh, Gabe, sorry. <laughs> sorry, no, Gabe, that's, that's not Gabe, please. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the love between these two. Ah. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. And then in verse 8 it says, love never fails. This past two weeks when I went over the scripture, it really challenged me. Because if I go back to 1 John 4, it says, for love is from God. And then it says, in this love, God was made manifest amongst us. I just want to stop there. In this love, God was made manifest manifest amongst us. That's Jesus Christ. If we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, it says, if we speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm going to replace that with Jesus, because it says in 1 John 4, in this love God made was made manifest among us that God sent his only son. His son, whom is love, was made manifest among us. 
1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not Jesus, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not Jesus, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, which is Jesus, I gain nothing. Jesus never fails. I really want to hit that home this evening so that you understand that when you see the word love, it was there so that we might be set free, so that we understand the freedom that love brings. So I just want to um, quote to Ravi Zachariah, a man who I, I love, I follow him all the time. Um, and he says, if I can find it, <laughs> Love is the supreme ethic. To understand this is to understand that he loved us first. John MacArthur, in his article, What is True Love? He says, when he quotes 1 John 4, 7 to 11, he says, that is what we call agape love, way above the love that we understand. It says, it is self-sacrificing, pure. It doesn't think twice about sacrificing itself and places no conditions on its recipients. To love even when you are hated, different to what you and I experience every day. God is pursuing us. He's given us something amazing. It is his love. He's formed us out of something amazing. It is his love. He's given us an image which is from him. It is his love. I'm just going to play a little clip now if I can ask the media guys just to play that clip. Just for a second. It's about two minutes if you guys just want to check the screen out.
Sir. Sir, are you okay? Are you okay? Just lay still. We're calling for help. We're getting help. Don't worry about the car. I'm not worried about the car. Yeah, sorry about the violence. Okay, you know, it's church. We don't want to, you know, PG 13 or something like that. It's, um, but I just want to tell you this evening God is not interested in that vehicle, He's not interested in this building. He's interested in what's inside of it. And he will do anything like that father did to rescue us. He is relentless. He is relentless. And God is pursuing you because when he created you, he blew something beautiful inside of you. He formed you out of dust. But it wasn't dust that he looked at. It was the formed man and the image that was carried in that man that God holds precious to himself. And that is you this evening. I want to encourage you this evening. Luke 15 talks about the lost sheep. And it's amazing when I read Luke 15, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And this is Luke 15 verse 1. And it goes up to verse 7. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I always looked at the scripture because my wife and I, we started um, an NPO, NPC, um, called Faith Village, and we... Um, going to the Noonside Five, and when I read that scripture, I feel this mission rising up inside of me that says, I need to go. There is something there that God has called us to, because if he's done it, I need to. But when I read that again with humility, and I read about those 99, and I almost want to rejoice, oh, Lord, we're going to go and get that one lost sheep. But when I realize that I was that lost sheep, I read it differently. Something stirs up inside of me that says he, he left 99 for me. And then it's not just going back. It's rejoicing because he found me. The good Samaritan, when you see that man laying there and who is your neighbor, it's such an amazing thing. Because until I read it, understanding that I was the man in the gutter, and the Good Samaritan was Jesus. I had a different feeling towards that story. Instead of looking at who's my neighbor, 
I started saying, thank you, Lord, for loving me. There's a difference that happens when we read the scripture with humility and we understand from that humility that we can move forward because it brought an urgency in my heart to understand how much God loves me. And I, um, in, in 1998, a long time ago, 1998, I, I visited a church called Good Hope Christian Center, and I don't know if you guys know that, that church. Um, and I watched this, this amazing concert called Hordes, uh, Hosts of Heaven and Hordes of Hell. And I thought, what is going on at this church? But I need to go and check it out. So I went, sat right at the back. You know, you, you knew, you think, oh, I don't want people to see me. I'm a sneaky Christian. I want to just go sit at the back. In fact, I wasn't a Christian at the time. But then I saw this picture of how the enemy is taking my Jesus and dragging him through the street. And I see them ripping apart my Jesus. Not saved, but I see this Jesus that is taking all this punishment, painful punishment. These guys were amazing, I can tell you. I said, I'm like, wow, this is hectic stuff. Is it real? No. They're acting? Yeah. And I saw this whole thing playing out. And at the end of the story, I lift up my hand. I said, who, who would like to give their lives to this amazing God who died for you and rose again? And I said, I want to give my life to this Jesus I really do. How can they do this to my Jesus? He has done all of this for me. I want to be a part of this story, this amazing, amazing story. And then I got up, and I thought I could do it in secret. And nobody could see me. I'm at the back. It's dark. And, you know, there's an usher standing right next to me. He says, hey, why don't you go up? I said, no, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to do it at home. I'm going to do it at home. No, no, no. Why don't you go up? I said, okay. Anyway, so I walk through this aisle. And as I'm walking through this aisle, people started getting up. They started cheering me on. They started clapping hands. People came to hug me on the, my way forward. And it was probably one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. When I read the story about the lost sheep, I, I, I get that feeling. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. God loves me, and he's going to have a feast when I come home, it's a beautiful thing that he's going to have a feast for me. I'm looking at myself I'm like, Lord, for me, Lord. For me, I'm a sinner. I'm a wretched man for me, Lord. It's impossible. Why would you do that for me? I broke people's hearts. I despised people. I spoke badly about people. And you would find it in your heart that I get a standing ovation when I walk forward not because of anything I did Lord and I still ask the question afterwards what must I do, can I do anything and the more I say that the more I feel this embrace the more I say that the more I'm being smothered by a love that says be still and know that I am God there was absolutely nothing I could do I had to surrender to this amazing love, and I find myself here today. So I just want to speak about something that the enemy has done to us, and, and I'll be concluding very soon. Matthew 3.17, it speaks about Jesus. 
And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Flip over to the next chapter, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, the devil is very cunning. He waits until you're tired, and then he comes. Forty days and forty nights he was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Amazing. Have you picked up something? Amazing. Let me repeat the last verse in Matthew 3.17. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let me say the last verse in Matthew 4, 1 to 3. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He takes out one and replace it with another. If, the first doubt story that comes into our hearts is if. Really? Did he really say so? And then he takes the word beloved out. And we can so easily water down who we are as sons and daughters of God. We say, no, I'm a son of God. But really, John greets us and says, beloved. There's an identity that he had, and he knew it. Because when John entered Ephesus after Paul's death, he writes this. And he says, beloved. There's a word that we need to settle with this evening. You're not just a son, and you're not just a daughter. You are beloved sons and daughters. We can easily water down things and say, yes, I am a son. But then we live 50-50 lifestyles towards him because we are only sons. So in conclusion this evening, Jesus um, has been asked, and they're trying to catch him out. about the coin. Say, must we pay taxes? And Jesus says, well, bring me a coin. Bring me a denarii. Let me see. And Jesus asked them, whose image is on this coin? And they say, Caesar's image is on this coin. And Jesus says, well, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give unto God what belongs to God. And for years, you know, it was a good tithing speech. <laughs> oh, the money. <laughs> Got to be a tithing speech somewhere. But if they had asked God, whose image is that? Jesus would have said, the image of God that is inside of you. The image of God. Give it up. What belongs to God, give unto God. And I just want to encourage you this evening. Can I ask you guys to stand to your feet as I'm closing? I really just want to say to you guys this evening that you are not a, you're not a pipe dream. You're not something that God thought up and then realized, oh, you know what, let's just settle. But you were well thought of when he fashioned you. 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I, well, Jeremiah 5 says, I knew you before you were formed. That word knew says there was an intimacy even before you were formed. So you're not a pipe dream this morning, when, this evening. When God said that he made you in his own image, it was because of love. And I met a guy at work, uh, Dougie Gelderblom, and I was fortunate to speak to him um, just before he passed. He came to work, he came into work, and he looked like, I promise you, that this man looked really bad that, that, that morning. But he called for me. And I went into his office and he sat there. There was people gathering all around. And I saw this man sitting there. And I said, Dougie, what request do you have on your heart? What is the one thing that you would like? And he starts crying and he says, the only thing I would want is for God to love me. I really just want to say this evening, I don't want you to one day, when it's at the end of life, to find out that God loves you. My desire this evening, God's desire this evening, first and foremost, is that you live a life knowing that he loves you. Because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. Can I pray for us this evening? Father, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you, Lord, that we are not a pipe dream. We are not a production line. But you fashioned us individually for your pleasure, Lord. Because you loved us first. More than anything else, Father, this evening I pray. And we pray, Lord, that you would come and pour your love into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to us, Lord that we may love you with that love, the agape love, Lord, that you've given us and that you've loved us with. In Jesus' name, amen.